shortcomings of the cloud at this moment. That there's not a well-established way of defining your business logic mm-hmm. uh, and exposing that on an easy, easy manner. If you look at how uh, how we organize our, our Google Cloud projects and how a startup would do it, I think there's no question that what we're doing is completely um, different to what a startup would do. Welcome to the Ball.com Tech Lab podcast. Well, we had some uh, episodes on cloud already. Now it's time to discuss how Bold.com combines the promises of the cloud and our own uh, non-functional requirements. So requirements for reliability, uh, reproducibility, sorry. Uh, Yeah, so how do these uh, infinite resources and ultimate autonomy work together with uh, things like security? Yeah, Yeah, so within Bold.com we developed uh, a a tool for that. We call this R2D2. And R2D2 stands for, in in this case, our Reproducible Resource Deployment Definition Tool. What a nice abbreviation. And it combines the functions of Terraform, Cloud SDK, and Puppet Labs. So it helps us to ensure recovery, security, self-service, stability, and scalability in our move to the cloud. And the reason why we think we need to secure these aspects, yeah, Bull.com has over 100 Scrum teams innovating our IT landscape with over 500 services, and we must secure our 10 million customers' data and the data of our 22,000 sellers. So uh, our guest of the show will uh, uh, yeah, tell you everything about R2D2. Time to introduce them, Peter Paul. Yeah, so we have uh, Jeroen Schutterup. He's a, a site reliability uh, engineer. He's in the team that uh, develops uh, R2D2. And uh, we have uh, uh, Quiran Story. Also a site reliability engineer, and just like Jeroen, solving operational problems with software solution as they, uh, solutions, as they call it. So, uh, welcome. Great to have you here. Mm, thank Thanks you. a lot. So, uh, yeah, we gave al- already away the, um, uh, the, uh, the abbreviation. So, I'm going to pronounce uh, reproducibility uh, again. So, it's a reproducible resource deployment definition tool. Okay, what's that? Yeah, I think uh, to start the reproducibility part uh, heavily ties into the infrastructure as code uh, part. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also uh, has to do with uh, security, okay. uh, setting permissions, uh, making sure people uh, don't open stuff by accident to the whole wild world. Mm-hmm. Uh, because cloud is complex and uh, yeah, making mistakes is uh, really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's also to offload some responsibilities. So you have some teams building expertise on Kubernetes or Cloud SQL yeah. or other resources, and you don't want to burden uh, users of the cloud uh, too much with developing their own expertise in that domain. So mm-hmm. basically offering products. Okay. Yeah, and to add as well, it's uh, like you're saying infrastructure as code. It's also really important about change control. Um, I guess... The one option is to just open the console, the web yeah. consoles to all the teams and say, well, go at it, uh, enjoy the cloud. But um, there's no real way to track changes on there and who's done what. Um, I mean, you can enforce permissions somewhat, but um, it's always nice to yeah, describe your uh, infrastructure as code. Um, yeah. I've got uh, experience in the past where uh, I worked at a company where we had uh, uh, um, VMs running in the cloud. They mm-hmm. had no labels on them because nothing was being enforced. and. Yeah. Uh, the only way to really find out what it was doing was to shut it down and see what broke. 
So, okay. uh, the, <laughs> and did the, you have to do that actually? Yes, uh, we did. Um, wow. So, because you don't know what, yeah, that's a that's a story for a different time. But uh, it's that's why um, it's it's important to yeah, as much as what as, at the scale that Build.com is mm-hmm. uh, just uh, having people access the console directly to provision resources uh, gets a bit difficult. So, uh, this is how this tool was born. So, yeah, but my, my first idea would. Be that the the console you could also script that right and then store the uh, scripts in a, like an, uh, 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 a versioning tool and then you're you made one step but we need more steps obviously otherwise we would have chosen such a lightweight approach I guess yeah that could be a way to solve it but mm-hmm. then uh, for example security comes along and yeah. they say well you have this great script let us add some uh, best practices some security best practices to it. And then, uh, I don't know, uh, you have some fallout, some uh, operational incident, mm-hmm. where you had some downtime, and then you start adding some, uh, I don't know, labels to stuff, to yeah. standardize naming, for example, a little bit. And as you see, you're moving towards like some managed solution, just so the script turns out into uh, a whole big application with everyone having their own uh, yeah, requirements, adding, mm-hmm. uh, adding their requirements to the tool. Yeah. So, yeah. Eventually, you will come to to uh, to a managed solution like uh, like R2D2 is nowadays. Yeah, so either you're going to run a lot of scripts over these scripts that you've created, or you're going to a managed solution. That's basically. Yeah, I mean there are tools in between, I guess. So like, okay. so I mean Terraform, which is one of the underlying components of R2D2. Uh, Terraform is is a really great tool in this regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if we look at the open source solution, it uh, gets a bit hard to. Uh, enforce permissions because uh, or you, you have to either you say well everyone can do everything and they can uh, change the Terraform code yeah. as they go along but then it's hard to enforce permissions on each team making changes mm-hmm. or you say well all the teams can submit a merge request with or a pull request with their uh, changes that they'd wish but then it's going through a certain point and then you really uh, break away from that self-service uh, or the speed at which you can mm-hmm. make changes yeah. because there's now a bottleneck of approving infrastructure changes and um, RTD to kind of builds on top of that by really providing uh, what Terraform is doing under the hood. We can give self-service to teams, so there's, okay. they can't do anything more than what they are allowed to in terms of their scope. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still get their self-service. So uh, okay. if that makes yeah. sense. And b- before we dive into R2D2 itself and what what we built, uh, what you now describe is the tension between. Uh, as a team, I want to go really fast, and I, I can see what what the Google Cloud is is offering, uh, and and now I need to go to R two D two first, and so it has has to be in there before I can use it. So uh, that tension has to be dealt with, uh, right? Yeah, I th- if you're talking about the exposing resources through R two D two, yeah, mm-hmm. yes, true, yeah, yeah. So then, yeah, so we still have to, uh, yeah, I think that's maybe diving into a bit of the details, but. Yeah, we have to first expose resources through R2D2. We try and do that as quickly yeah. as possible. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, sort of going back to the bigger picture, uh, it's important to uh, find a, a balance between this, uh, ensuring that the all the right policies are in place and security is happy, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, no no data can ac- accidentally be be uh, made public. Um, but also giving teams real like speed at uh, provisioning resources in a self-service manner with no one stopping them or gatekeeping them. Okay, cool. Yeah, so it may be a very blunt question, um, but the, I don't think we are the first company uh, heading into the cloud with uh, with our infrastructure and in, 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 the, in the skill we have. 
why are we building this ourselves? Uh, wasn't there any tool available already, or is it that? I think this is uh, this is a very hard problem to solve uh, because there are great tools out there like Terraform we mentioned uh, and others, uh, but the problem is that you don't this this interface is still fairly low level. Uh, mm -hmm. Some teams won't really like interacting with Terraform themselves directly. It's also some shared state you need to manage, uh, which also gets really hard if you have a uh, hundred uh, to do if you have a hundred Scrum teams like we have. Okay, um, but you also have some bus business logic. And you want to standardize that a little bit. And I think that's one of the yeah the, the shortcomings of the cloud at this moment, that there's not a well-established way of defining your business logic mm -hmm. uh, and exposing that on the e in an easy manner, uh, for example. Okay, uh, there are great tools to solve technical issues like Terraform, but mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Can you give an example? But, uh, what do you mean with the business solution? That uh, for example, we want uh, if you whenever you create a bucket, we want to grant uh, security or another team access to uh, to your bucket, for mm -hmm. example, to see what's in there. Yeah, uh, that's a very uh, simple basic use case. And uh, yeah, if you hand out Terraform to a team, they create a bucket, but they won't cater for this service account. Okay. And you can document that, of course, but then people will make mistakes. Yeah. So you want to have like a you want to have a little shell over this bucket and say, give me a bucket. And then these business rules will also be applied. For example, applying uh, permissions for that uh, global service account to access your bucket. Okay. But also to add, the, in terms of like business logic, is uh, ultimately all these cloud providers are just uh, uh, service providers offering uh, sort of a low-level set of tools. But how you actually uh, use them to set up your IT landscape differs. Um, and I think if you look at how... Uh, how we organize our, our Google Cloud projects and how a startup would do it. I think there's no question that what we're doing is completely um, different to what a startup. We have hundreds, uh, no, plus some, you know, hundreds of projects in, in GCP, uh, which is uh, for a startup where maybe you just have three projects for pro, dev, um, staging, whatever you want to call your projects, sandbox, sub. Uh, that, that differs a lot. So you, not only um, you, you've given all these low-level tools, but you kind of got to put them together to make up your IT landscape. So there's, there's that that uh, our, our users that want to provision a bucket don't necessarily want to care how we've organized our IT infrastructure. They just want to make sure that they've got a bucket for their resources in, uh, in the pro environment, and uh, we take care of all the security constraints around that, and they can ship their code as fast as possible. Yeah. So other companies have been doing similar stuff. For example, there are blog posts, uh, I don't know, Atlassian, for example. They also build a similar tool. We also heard from our uh, technical account manager at Google. Uh, there are other companies using uh, Google Cloud in a similar way as we do. So they also have some homebrew tool around uh, managing yeah. cloud resources. But yeah. there's no off-the-shelf tool that everybody can use and that's fully feature compliant. Because it's also... Uh, um, connected to your own infrastructure in, in maybe data center. So that makes it uh, uh, that you that you have to kind of personalize it for your company, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 yeah so, so we found out in, in during the journey that we have, uh, that we have to build a more managed environment, although the cloud gives many promises for, for autonomy and that kind of stuff. So yeah, let's dive into it. What did we build? Can you um, take the audience by the hand and, and describe step by step what the components are and what does it look like? 
Yeah, it's um, to describe it in one sentence. It's a self-service uh, portal, so to say. It's not per se a portal. It also has an API, so you can interact with it in different uh, ways that's, that suit your needs. Um, it offers a way to uh, for users to hand in a YAML file, and this file describes all the resources a user wants uh, in the given project. So whenever you say, okay, I want a new project and I, wanna, I want to have a database in there, Cloud SQL instance, you create a little description in your YAML file, which is, uh, which is documented, all the parameters uh, out there, all the stuff you need, and then you hand it to R2D2 and R2D2 will then apply this, uh, oh, yeah, this, this file or your, uh, your resource description and will make sure that every, everything in the cloud will be in its uh, desired state. That's the yeah, yeah. So really, just a provisioning tool. Uh, that's that's what it aims to exactly. be. Exactly. Um, and yeah, so with these spec files that you were just talking about, you can then store this in uh, a version control system like Git. Mm -hmm. So you uh, can, if you want to roll back, it's a case of uh, Git revert and uh, uh, submit it to R two D two. And so this this YAML file you call the spec file. We call it a spec file. Yeah. Uh, it's not too far off uh, the Kubernetes specs. Uh, quite similar in nature. Um, I think YAML is there's quite a big adoption of YAML at the moment, so mm -hmm. people are used to that. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, um, I guess what's, what's important is once these resources are provisioned, uh, users interact with the resources as if uh, R2D2 wasn't there. So it's the regular uh, Google APIs, it's the regular CLI tools, Google, it's um, what is uh, what are CLI tools? A command line interface. Okay. Um, uh, you can access the web console, so mm -hmm. it's not like you have to do everything through R two D two. It's just your, you, it's just really the button that, or yeah, the button you click to uh, to spin up these resources. So after that, um, it's it's the regular off the shelf tools. We heavily invested in Kubernetes as well. Mm -hmm. So, kubectl uh, uh, or kubectl, I'm not sure. <laughs> how you pronounce that, but you're using uh, that uh, to access your deployments mm -hmm. um, on Kubernetes. So we try and stay out of the way of uh, um, of the users beyond provisioning. From that point on, it's uh, native SDKs and clients. So, yeah. so you're involved in, in, in provisioning, so getting things there and being available, but then in, in runtime processes and so and stuff like that, you're not involved as R2D2. Uh... No, not at all. Hey, and, and from, from a Scrum team perspective, uh, the, the first time I want to go to the cloud, uh, you say you have to go to this R2D2 tool, uh, you have to define a YAML file with the resources that you need, and then R2D2 will set it up for you by talking to the Google APIs. How do I know as a Scrum team what I should put in the YAML file? What, uh, so we have a, we have documented an entire service catalog, which is uh, automatically generated based on the code that actually caters for creating the resources. Um, so you can browse the service catalog or the, the product catalog basically and say, well, I want to have a bucket. Um, how does this thing work? So there are some examples in there. Uh, some param all the parameters are documented as well. Uh, there's also a JSON schema available. So if you want to be nitty gritty about uh, what's allowed and what's not, before submitting your uh, YAML file, uh, then that's also possible. And yeah, basically everything you need is in there. Um, yeah, in, in a nutshell. Okay, so and, and um, 
uh, now we know from a functional perspective what what's happening. Where what what do the Scrum teams what do, uh, what does R2D2 and what's happening in the cloud? Uh, what what components are in R2D2? Can you? Uh, R2D2 is made up of uh, many components. So um, I think uh, ultimately at the core of it um, is uh, Puppet. So Puppet is our our um, it's called an orchestrator in this uh, environment. So it's orchestrating the uh, all these resources, um, and uh, yeah, we have Terraform um, where where possible. Uh, we we mostly rely on Terraform to uh, interact with the, the Google APIs. Um, it's uh, GCloud SDK itself, KubeCTL, Elm I think as well. Yeah, Elm's in there as well. Uh, A lot of tools, and we probably forgot some of them. Yeah, but yeah, it's important to know that Puppet is the main orchestrator. Yeah. So Puppet will make sure all the Terraform files uh, are, are created, uh, and eventually it will then call Terraform apply on those files, or mm -hmm. GCloud, or kubectl apply, and that will actually uh, mm -hmm. talk to the to the Google APIs and create the resources. Yeah. Yeah. And this and this Puppet also runs in the cloud, or is that uh, on on premise in in the data center? Now Puppet is part of uh, of, of R2D2 itself. So R2D2 uh, basically, well, basically when you when you hand in your uh, YAML file, R2D2 will validate it. Uh, when once validation is complete, it will uh, pull all the Puppet modules uh, required, and it will then yeah, uh, call Puppet to prepare all the templates, all the files, etc. And then uh, Puppet will just call Terraform or whatever to uh, to apply the resources. So Puppet is the main orchestrator, and R2D2 yeah, directly calls Puppet. Yeah. So. And then to add to that, R2D2 is a Python application that uh, uh, provides a web interface and a uh, REST API. Um, and there we do things like uh, you know, validate the, uh, the spec files, um, uh, generate the resource documentation, uh, check permissions. Uh, we store uh, all spec files in a local database. So if, you know, if the team forgets to commit it into, uh, into Git, at least we still have a copy mm -hmm. as well. Um, we also have, yeah, I don't know if I mentioned all the logs, so when you actually submit your spec file, there's, it produces a lot of logs about uh, what, what it's actually uh, managing, so either updating, creating, uh, or deleting resources, uh, all of that gets tracked in a log. Um, permissions, so ensuring that uh, uh, only members of, of a team can manage those resources. You can't have members from outside a team uh, manage another team's resources unless you explicitly share it. Um, and I think one thing that's nice to note as well is that teams don't need to interact with R2D2 themselves directly. <coughs> so they don't need to go to the interface and apply YAML file. Uh, they can store this uh, service descriptor or this YAML file, however you like to call it, uh, into their code repository and then use uh, GitLab CI to actually deploy their infrastructure. So whenever there's a change, GitLab will call R2D2 and it will make sure, as part of the CI pipeline, that the infrastructure is uh, created. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, in fact, most of the teams are doing that. So very few would use the submit a spec file through the UI, unless you may be getting started or testing okay. something out for a yeah. sandbox environment. Yeah. How, how big is the team the, uh, who's working on, on R2-D2? So R2-D2 itself, yeah, you can look at it at, at two ways. That's kind of interesting uh, because R2-D2, aside from application, is kind of an ecosystem. That's how we like to regard it. So aside from the end users, uh, which are basically 
is all of IT within Bold.com. Uh, we also have developers because these modules and these resources we spoke about, they are all developed by different teams. Mm. Um, so, for example, you have a database uh, engineers team that are looking after some database resources like Cloud SQL. Um, so they develop uh, that kind of stuff, uh, while uh, I don't know buckets or Kubernetes resources are looked after by another team. So the R2D2 application itself, so the API server and, and the interface is uh, is a four-man team now. Um, but then, yeah, you have all the other teams because we don't actually manage any resources ourselves. So we only do the R2D2 application yep. and interfacing against the end users and, uh, and the developers, the R2D2 resource developers, that is. Um, and then the resources are being developed by, I don't know, six, seven, eight teams. So yep. maybe around 30, 40 people even. And they don't develop the, these resources on a daily basis as, a, as they're part of the full-time job. But occasionally they need to make some uh, modifications or uh, a feature team will come to our PO or their PO and say, well, we'd like to use, I don't know, a Spanner, for example. Um, do you see any chance of getting Spanner into R2D2? And then they dedicate a week or two, for example, to bring Spanner into R2D2. And uh, yeah, mm. so it's, a, it's, it's an ecosystem. And I think around 30, 40 people in total are contributing. So that's how it works. Uh, yeah, the Spanner is a cloud, uh, uh, native cloud product that's available in yep. Google Cloud. Uh, and uh, as a team, I want to use it, but you have to go to the product owner, uh, explain why you need it, and, and then they will find out, okay, when can we do it and when can we add it to the R2D2 yeah. setup. Yeah. I, th I think to add to it, it's it's not only the resource that you... So sure, there's a, there's a bit of technical work that has to happen mm -hmm. to build out the resource into R2D2, but beyond that, there's also support and sort of the run the run environment of these things. So uh, um, not only do the teams build out the resources, but they make sure there's uh, great documentation for the resource, how to use it. Um, so, so not replacing what, so if we take Cloud SQL as an example, we don't replace Google's documentation on Cloud SQL, but we uh, explain what parameters are required within Bold to spin up Cloud SQL. So we say, for example, that you can pick a region, but it has to be uh, one of the EU West 104 regions, for example, or um, we give you uh, sort of example snippets on what you what a typical uh, uh, resource definition will look like in a spec file. Um, so documentation around that, also, uh, but also um, sort of support. So uh, if you uh, things like uh, incident management, if there's an issue with the uh, um, GCP resources, maybe there's a zone issue or a region issue. Um, these teams also provide first-line support for these resources. So it's it's not sort of uh, write the code and ship it over the wall and forget about it. The, the, the teams uh, building out resources are also managing day-to-day -day run, like the runtime of these resources. So sure, Google does all the heavy lifting, which is great. Um, but also there's a lot of questions. Like some teams have, uh, like Cloud SQL has different ways of configuring it into your oh. application, mm -hmm. be it a, in Kubernetes with a sidecar uh, proxy or actually... Uh, native client code and and teams often have questions like what's the best way to go about it so um, yeah the, re the these team uh, the teams developing the resources also providing some guidance and best practices uh, yeah so they probably need this this support because they're not uh, using this uh, setup on a daily basis so uh, and, and, and the yeah exactly so you and you have more the experience with it yeah yeah so you have teams that are uh, most of their services are still running in the data center uh, and they maybe they're working on a new service and they said well they said this is perhaps a good time to 
uh, transition the service to the cloud, mm-hmm. get experience with yeah. that. Um, so in that case, they'll they'll typically be quite fresh. Um, but it's also not only so much with uh, having experience with uh, Google Cloud in our case, but also having experience with uh, integrating it into our IT landscape. So it's not only just spinning up a Cloud SQL um, instance, but making sure that it's got connectivity between our, like how does it integrate with our production environments in our in our data centers or BFCs and, and all, the, all those kind of things around it. So I think important to add to that is to emphasize that it's still self-service. So the, the team actually having expertise of these products, they're not in between the Scrum team and their, and their, and their uh, for example, Cloud SQL database. So Scrum team is still fully responsible of managing the, this, these resources and uh, making sure they're healthy and, and stuff. Uh, but the, the teams uh, looking after, for example, a Cloud SQL uh, database, uh, they are there to offer help uh, whenever the Scrum teams can't find out a way themselves uh, to do it. But uh, yeah, the scrum teams themselves are fully responsible for their resources. For their, yeah, for what they build. Yeah, and and um, you explained how R two D two. Before we go over to the journey, how uh, how we uh, we got there, um, just made me realize that that it's that I don't know for sure how it works with this, with the scrum team in terms of okay, I want to go to the cloud with with a new service. Uh, I know I have to use R two D two. How much time does it cost to 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 get up to speed with R two D two? What do, do I have to learn for it? Uh, how does that work? Um, so you mean a, a, a scrum team just coming from a data center where yeah. it's working it's yeah. and they say I have totally, a yeah. service and I want to uh, launch it into the cloud. Yeah. Um, well, there are a couple of use cases for these more simpler use cases. I think there's a workshop which uh, describes this particular uh, road to the cloud uh, mm-hmm. pretty well. Um, but then you also have other uh, use cases, for example, teams that want to do more some, adva- some more advanced uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, there are some workshops for that, I think, some big data uh, stuff, for example. Um, and uh, y- you have the resource documentation as well uh, for those kind of things. But I'm actually not sure. Can you add to that? I, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, so like your instance, it's really dependent on, uh, on, on the use case. So I think if we skip the services for a while, if you want, uh, let's say you just want a bucket, uh, maybe you've got a data center application and when you you want to back up something onto a bucket in uh, GCP, uh, I would say it's a case of logging into RTD2 and uh, submitting a spec file with your application, your project name and uh, the bucket resource. And I want to say within 10 minutes, the bucket uh, should be there. So just do it. <laughs> yeah, but this is one, yeah. this is touching one important finding and that is uh, training and workshopping. Yeah. Uh, I think no. we, failed doing that in a, in a good way um, because typically and that's also I think how the cloud evolves and got introduced you have all these experienced people that uh, are just going out of their way to get into the cloud and and doing all the fancy stuff themselves and they want to learn everything but uh, that's a fairly small pool of people so they started and all was working well and then you got another pool of people that yeah, they're, they're not either not that enthusiastic or uh, they're have, just having a hard time figuring out how stuff works. And at that point, training becomes really, really important. And uh, at this moment, I think it's, uh, it's lacking a bit. And that's something we should have definitely done, uh, done better when, uh, when looking back. 
Okay. Yeah. So that's a nice bridge in, into uh, the journey to the cloud and, and for maybe more specific, the journey for, for R2-D2. But, but you wanted to say something, Quirin, sorry. Well, no, I actually think I forgot what I wanted to say. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, never, never mind. It's all about training. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. yeah, I guess, what was I going to say about the training? Um, yeah, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, training is one aspect of uh, the journey we learn. So uh, what did the journey look like? What, uh, what steps uh, do you see? Um, yeah, we are. You, you were on this journey longer than I was. <laughs> Well, I yeah. am. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking back when it's when it started. I think it started uh, two years ago, the end of the year, uh, 2017. That was, and uh, yeah, R2D2 was kind of because we had a huge discussion, managed versus unmanaged, like hand everyone a credit card, and access to the cloud console versus having a fully managed solution, or maybe even some SRTs uh, looking after their resources. So you had to fill in this, uh, I don't know, a form, for example, whenever you wanted the database. Yeah, I can remember that journey and, and that part of the journey. Yeah. <laughs> The old way of working, yeah. uh, and that was a very tough discussion. And at the end, uh, R2D2 was pocked, a proof of concept, and say, okay, this is a way how we can we can tackle these requirements we have, um, and still offering some autonomy and flexibility to Scrum teams by making it self-service. And we kind of elaborated on this POC for uh, yeah for two years now, and um, it was a really bumpy road. Uh, we have had lots of learnings. Um, also, I think one big misconception in general about cloud is that it's easy. And uh, yeah, okay, it offloads some uh, some things for you, some concerns. But it also introduces some new concerns and uh, yeah, stuff you weren't aware of. There's some instability issues at times. Um, and also the mindset, I think. Uh, for example, yeah, I'm more on the, on the, on the development side of cloud, of course, from an end user perspective, I can't really say, but uh, operational people are really used to uh, yeah, using their stuff, their, their resources like pets instead of cattle, and that not dealing with, uh, with, with APIs all day uh, too much. So it's cloud is really taking a leap towards, uh, towards more code, more development, mm -hmm. more APIs, and not too much, uh, well, per se, CLI operations uh, that are involved. I think that's one big learning. Uh, yeah, training as well. Um, we should have done better there, in hindsight. Um, yeah, like I said, it was a POC, and it took some uh, quite some effort to get more people on board at first. Uh, so uh, People to build R2-D2. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it was kind of in this, this idle state, R2-D2 application itself, where it worked, but there were still features that were requested, yeah, and it needed to mature a bit, but we didn't have any people. So that's what Kieran also... Uh, joined R2D2 uh, ship. Yeah, from there on, I think we did some great uh, great work maturing the application more. Yeah. And now after two years, we're also going to revisit whether we did it in the right way. And uh, there, are, there are always things you didn't uh, cater for and things that you could have done better in hindsight. And uh, yeah, for next year for the roadmap, we want to uh, see what we could do better or maybe revisit the entire architecture. We we're starting to see that the the I guess the IT community is uh, maturing in this regard. Like we definitely aren't the, the only people trying to solve this problem. And um, uh, in the last few years, Kubernetes has become a real prominent player um, mm -hmm. in, um, in well with this journey to the cloud as well. Um, so we're seeing 
real innovative uh, solutions being built on top of Kubernetes. So I think for us, it's just the time to reflect and make sure that we're still on the right track. Um, and I think that's why we want to revisit, just either reassess that we right, we're doing the right thing, or is the is the community heading in a different way? And are we are we heading with them? We've seen some interesting talks by other companies. I know I, I was at uh, Ethericon last year, and Shopify are doing something very interesting. Okay. Um, uh, on on Kubernetes, um, in terms of how they manage resources in the cloud. So yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's time to make sure that we're still on the right track. But um, in terms of what we've done this far, like I think I, I think it's incredible that we offer a self-service platform like this, um, where there's, I mean, if if you have a developer account, uh, or if you are a developer at Bol uh, with the right group or whatever it is, and you log into RTD, you you can spin up resources. There's no one going to stop you and to me, that's incredible that we have this sort of uh, or this trust in our teams um, and the autonomy that uh, we provide to the teams to, to so they they can do this. And what's quite nice with the cloud nowadays is that you have this uh, billing feedback cycle. Mm -hmm. You have a real insight <laughs> into costs, which yeah, is yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. obviously, there's a lot of yeah, talk about the cloud is expensive, but at the same time, like yeah, we didn't have the insight for data center. It's, like it's really it's uh, really hard to get those uh, insights out of the uh, data center. So you can so a team can uh, I think. If I take an example, like two years ago, there was I went to a hackathon, we built some stuff, but it kind of always lives on your laptop because to go to the data center was this whole formal process and you need to get this done and like what's the load you're expecting and servers have to be bought. And uh, for the once we'd started this journey to the cloud in a subsequent hackathon, a team was like, well, this is, they built this thing uh, on a Friday on a hack, at a hackathon and they spun it up in the dev environment um, in uh, in our cloud environment, the same day, and all of a sudden you have a hackathon providing business value for for people inside the company to test and see what, like what what uh, business value does this offer to our customers, and like that feedback loop is so much quicker now. Mm -hmm. um, and also with when you tie that into the cost, you can say well, like. Uh, because you have these amazing insights into cost, you can say, well, is this really providing this amount, considering this is what it costs, is it providing this amount of uh, business value to our customers or our partners? And yeah. I think... Evaluate, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is, I think this is an exciting time um, in yeah. IT in general. So Great. Yeah, and before we go to the closing round, I have one question left, and then maybe a tricky one, but that's uh, that has to do with maybe the bumpy ride and the the, the issues you you uh, you encountered when building this R2D2, and it comes from what I heard from from Scrum teams saying, okay, this R2D2 now it's 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 uh, updating again, so it's creating breaking changes. Is that solved by now? Is that now more mature? What is the status? Yeah, we'll still have breaking changes. So for the people listening, to elaborate a little bit on that. So uh, R2D2 exposes API versions for resources. So each API version has its own resource catalog, and uh, resources might be managed in different ways, like having different parameters, different default values per API version. So we used to release a new API version every week, uh, and that will break changes intermittently for people, and uh, it was also on a very short notice. So the week prior, if you were lucky, you would read a change log saying, okay, this parameter is going to be removed in favor of another. Um, now that's kind of fixed by uh, having a two-monthly release cycle and supporting API versions up to four months. Okay. So people, uh, yeah, there's more stability now. And uh, on, a, a, on a given API version, uh, it might not break anymore. 
So uh, yeah, the, the, the module development teams or the, the resource development teams on R2D2, uh, they can introduce breaking changes, but they need to document it and they can't release it on the currently existing API version. So they have to wait. Yeah, so yeah. they need to schedule it ahead for two months. Yeah. And then uh, Scrum teams can also uh, be aware of their upgrade. They can plan their uh, R2D2 API upgrade with their PO saying, okay, when the API is live in two weeks, then we're going to upgrade and we're going to take a day for that to migrate all our projects to the newest API and deal with the breaking changes then. Okay. They, they can also live life on the edge and go with the snapshot version. So yeah. these it's not like you have to wait two months for the new release. They are always available in the snapshot, so breaking changes are there. But they have uh, to take your own risk. <laughs> yeah. Taking our risk yeah. yeah, there's a big asterisk yeah. there about uh, yeah. Yeah, living life on the edge and uh, know, <laughs> the, know the risks involved. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Paul, you have questions left before the closing round? No, but uh, um, what I really like is that that we, in a way, created uh, a thing that's self-service and that keeps the autonomy for the teams for the things that are already available, but in a managed environment where we can keep security, uh, maintainability, and stuff like that uh, up to date. And I really like that about uh, how we approached uh, this. Yeah, one critical note about that is that it is difficult, especially at a company like Ball and I think mm -hmm. every larger company with a, with a lot of IT people. Yeah. Uh, They're very opinionated and everybody wants to do stuff in their own way. Yes. Um, some people like to have it really, really simple, dump it down as much as possible. Other yeah. people like to be able to customize everything. Mm -hmm. And cool. it's a big challenge to find an interface for every resource that allows everyone to use it at their own way. And yeah, to and customize the stuff they need without getting into the <coughs> way of other users that are new to the cloud and that want to have easy onboarding. Yeah, it's about those abstractions. Like, you you kind of, if you make it really easy and add a lot of abstractions, it's great when you're the, in the happy flow and everything's working. Yeah. But when things go wrong, yeah. then yeah. then it's really hard to figure out why it's wrong because you've created these sort of layers of abstraction between the real resources in the cloud and what we maybe term them in R2D2. So we try and find a good balance between the amount of abstraction we apply with uh, R2D2 and it's a, it's a, yeah, and, and I it's think it's a fine balance that you yeah. have to And I think find. the balance is very important because yeah, it's easy for this to get vanilla installs with Postgres database or whatever, Cloud SQL and a, and a Java thingy on top. I think that's the easy part. But then all the other components that, mm. that, will, that teams want to add and... Uh, I don't know, the spinning up uh, additional resources while, while the auto scaling basically. I think that these are the hard things to get there and how to, uh, yeah, uh, as you mentioned, uh, cater for both uh, novices and, yeah, like, like the, the pros. Mm. Yeah, it's really striking a balance. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, well, let's go to the closing round. Let's uh, wrap up for our listeners and, uh, yeah, share your most important takeaway uh, with us. Well, we have lots, lots of takeaways. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're all important. Uh, a couple of them stand out to me. Uh, like, listen to uh, to end users what they actually want. Mm. Uh, not just building something and hand it over to people. Say, here it is. Use it. Or if you don't want to use it, well, stick to the DC. Or, yeah, you, you, there is no really, not really an alternative in that regard. Yeah, so yeah. Nice. Listen, listen to your end users. And yeah. build something that people actually want to have, yeah. want to use. Yeah. Cool. Quirin? Uh I think uh, the importance of infrastructure as code. I yeah. think uh, it doesn't <laughs> matter what size of company you are. I think <laughs> uh, infrastructure as code is <laughs> really important. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think what we're doing with uh, the self-service platform is really novel. Um, 
we're not the only ones, but it's I think at our scale it's really it's really awesome to see the power it gives the the developers at all. Great. Yeah, guys, uh, Jeroen, Quirin, thanks uh, for, for sharing your stories with us. And uh, I hope that next time, uh, and listeners, when they when they see a picture of R2-D2, they remember this story, this cool story about <laughs> yeah what we built to, to support all the yeah, requirements we have as a, a company like, uh, like Bob.com. So, uh, and I, I think you did a great job in, in telling the why and, and the, the, the components uh, that it's... Uh, um, build upon and uh, and using and 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 as well as the journey are you planning to to go for a conference somewhere to to explain this on stage because it can be really really useful to do so well just a challenge if so we put it on <laughs> tech lab as well I, i've been contemplating i haven't quite made the leap yeah. yet. Be interesting but um yeah and maybe the the the, the picture you try to to draw um from the components, maybe we can we can put it on the tech lab uh, as a part of the show notes, That's so true. people can have a look at it. Um, yeah, thanks again, and thanks hope to uh, have you. Us. Yeah, thanks for having us. And thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked the episode, check some of the others and subscribe to our feed. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for Tech Lab, and subscribe. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun. <laughs>